0: Hello, I'm Howard Phillips Lovecraft, and despite all my warning, you're listening to Microphones of Madness.
1: Hey everybody, Saturday night, Microphones of Madness. It is the 2nd of July, 2016. Uh, Happy Independence Day weekend for all of you guys who are into that sort of thing.
2: Woohoo!
1: I'm Rodney. Over here we have Steve. Uh, that's the horn hands for people listening on the audio version. And Kim. For the love of Hastur!
2: For the love of Hastur!
1: Which is a place, not a person. So, well, I don't know why I just put it back on me. There we go. Uh, today's show, we are talking about the anthology Urban Temples of Cthulhu, published by the First United Church of Cthulhu, edited by Kurt Cave.
2: That explains it. Um,
1: we are uh, about halfway through, as usual. Normally, we break anthologies into two parts. Right. We've read through the first nine stories. I think Kim might actually be a little bit further along. Um I don't know how far Steve got. I got up to him. Matriarch of Skid Row. Okay. All right. Now um tell you the truth, this this was probably an anthology that would have flown right under the radar had had we not been contacted by uh by the editor <clears throat> sent a copy to take a look at. Um hell I didn't even know the first United Church of Cthulhu even existed. Me neither. And why would you? Why would I? Probably. You're right. I w- I wouldn't know. Um, I'm feeling a little under the weather today, so I'm clinging to this coffee cup like it's like beer life. Um so Steve, just go ahead and give your impressions of the first half. Do it like we always do. We'll go we'll go down the list. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think you should go first this time. You Never go first.
1: I never go first. I never go first because I have to do that opening spiel. Oh, yes. I think you should go first.
0: I really think you should go first. You think I should go
1: first? I All right. Well, go. you know, it's, like like we said, we're halfway through. It's, it's not the greatest anthology I've ever read, but there are some bits and bobs in here that, that I kind of got a, a kick out of. Um... For the for the most part, it with the exception of I think there's one story I just really did not like. Uh, the rest of them pretty typical mythos fair. They hit all the right tropes, all the right beats. Um, but so far, nothing has really knocked my socks off. But you know if you're Sitting on the porch in the afternoon sun with some tea. You know, this is this is one of those types of you know lawn chair reading type books, I think. And we'll discuss specific stories after we get general overviews from everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> fuck with Rodney Davis. Now that wasn't sick. so hard, yeah.
2: was it?
0: I never go first. <laughs> Now your cherry is popped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can now bleed from your asshole. Much like this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, Steve.
2: Nice right, ugly. Actually,
0: it wasn't... That's a, a little dramatic. I'm going to say that overall, I really didn't enjoy it. Um, there were stories that were better than others. Um, I thought a lot of these stories were suffering from just trying too hard uh, to be to be hip. It reminded me of 90s comics. It reminded me of lifefield and the Image Guys and Preacher. Oh. Mm. <laughs> the thing is Preacher didn't try too hard. Preacher just was. This was this is like all right. It's like you grow up listening to the Clash and the Ramones. And that's old and it's cool and you like it. And then eventually Somebody, you know, music changes. So you get stuff like Nirvana, Alice in Chains, with the same the same soul, but maybe mm. a little different. Then you get shit like Green Day and Creed, and it's just empty.
1: Like Dookie Green Day or, or Kerplunk Green Day?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Kerplunk. Because I think Kerplunk was a far superior album to Dookie.
0: It's more like... Um, American Idiot Green Day, where they're just trying so hard to be hip. Mm -hmm. Or anything by creed. Absolutely anything by creed. As a matter of fact, the last story that I read, Matriarch of Skid Row, was exactly like listening to their version of Riders on the Storm. Yes, it was Riders on the Storm. You can tell.
1: But it wasn't, because... What the fuck did they do to it? See, I kind of like that one. That's that's See? one of the ones on the list that I kind of like. I, I have. I'm, I'm. I'm getting this feeling. I'm getting this feeling before before we get to Kim that in in the in the weeks running up to this episode that all the stories that you guys just like absolutely hated are the ones that I kind of liked for one reason or another. It probably was. And you know. So we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. I guess we will. <laughs> um, all right. So there's there's Steve's analogy. Steve's analogy is. See, I I was I was kind of expecting you to go to Blink One Eighty Two rather than. Uh,
0: no, because it's not that. It's not
1: that abysmal. It's not that abysmal.
0: It hasn't gone off the edge where you could still tell. It's got punk rock roots. Mm. You could still tell. Like, for example, um, I'm not even going to pronounce the matriarch's name.
1: Right. Oh, God, no. <laughs>
0: but that is a creation of uh, Clark Aston Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Saga's mother. Yeah. And Saga's mentioned. so you could, And that story has that classic Lovecraftian...
1: Right. And it hits all the beats. classic. I mean, and, and I think we, we had remarked on a previous show that really Clark Ashton Smith is getting the short end of the stick right. in a lot of weird fiction. He doesn't get referenced as much as Howard.
0: No, he doesn't. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people will associate Saga with Robert E. Howard, mm-hmm. as opposed to Ashton Smith, or uh, Hyborian, for, for that matter, mm-hmm. which are Smith creations. But I digress. You can still tell it's got that weird fiction root. Blink one eighty two, you can't. You can't tell what the fuck they are.
1: Okay. All right. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right. So now we're now we're over to Kim.
2: Yeah. Go for it, Kim. Yeah. uh, I, I hate to disparage anybody, especially when they're not big name authors who are trying to make their way in the world. I try to encourage the. Uh, I try to encourage the small-time anthologies, small-time editors, um, what have you. Honestly, though, I had a hard time getting through this one. Um, there were a couple of them that I didn't think too badly of, and there was, I think. See, there were there were actually two in this half that I actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Some that just made me roll my eyes and say, oh my god, really? Do they have to do that? Or do they have to drop that name and think they had gotten a Lovecraftian story?
1: Her leather pants reflected the moonlight as though she were poured into them.
2: I mean, for Cripe's sake, it's the black metal of Derek Zan.
1: See? Come on. There, there's another one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I mean, there are different reasons for me not liking different ones of these. Right. Some were just poor writing. Some were just poorly edited. Some just shouldn't have existed at all. <laughs> uh, some, some were bad at all. Some were very enjoyable. All right. Well, exactly. let's let's okay.
1: let's accentuate the positive. Yes. Um. Okay. Well, since since we're on Kim, you know which which was the ones that um, that you enjoyed. Which
2: uh, I kind of enjoyed the first one, Little Gods by mm-hmm. James Pratt. I thought it was a neat idea, um, but Steve had pointed out that it was taken a lot from American Gods by Neil Gaiman, and I can see the correlation there certainly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We have uh, people who are avatars. Of concepts, such as the main character is, is named the passenger. Mm-hmm. Um, he or she, we don't really know. I don't think it tells in there. I don't it's think it really matters. The personification of the transit that takes place in the city. Mm-hmm. You know, he or she rules the rails, rules the subway. And actually, it goes a lot deeper than that, but. Because, as it says, everybody is a passenger at some point in their lives, even if it's just in their mother's belly. Mm-hmm. So you this know this can actually be one hell of a powerful god, if you think about it.
1: Yeah.
2: And that, that, was, what, that was what drew me in, and mm-hmm. I, I liked it. Alright. My favorite one of this half is Cosmic Cavity, or The Mouth of Man. My
1: mm-hmm. Okay, so that's 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 one at least two of us agree on. I, no, I didn't I, like that one at all. I, I thought that <laughs> one was just I thought the concept was just strange enough.
2: It was that campy I, in a good way. It was fun. Yeah, and
1: I, I believe that you know, going by the, the author's bio, I think that was his that might be his debut. So yeah. And, and and honestly you know most of the folks in this in this anthology have been published but i don't think um i think this might be the first anthology these guys have put together
0: it, it looks like it's a lot of a lot of these guys have written other types of fiction mm-hmm. and this might be their first foray into the weird
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i i could i could see that um I think some folks, some folks have a little bit of a, you know, a, 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 toe in that water, and you can tell in certain stories. Little gods, you know, I liked the concept of the passenger. Um, I kind of wish it focused a little bit more on that animistic side. In in the urban setting, um, yeah. You know, honestly, this one probably could have made a, a decent novella or novelette. Rather than a short story, Uh, because it just seemed to it seemed to go and give you this this hook of okay Mm -hmm. this is what's going on and then we get the basic um, mad scientist I've seen through the veil oh the horror type of rant. Mm -hmm. It
0: was Doom. It was the plot of Doom. It was the plot of Doom.
1: Yeah, the video game
0: Doom. It was American Gods and Doom together. We never thought it would be possible,
1: but that's what there happened. There you go. At least you got a got, got a mashup that was uh, that you didn't think would happen. Mm. All right. Um so yeah, cosmic cavity. Uh, you got a third?
2: Uh The Face of God Within. That mm. was that was one of the better ones I thought. Okay. Yeah.
1: That one's also on my list of of one's I enjoyed. I didn't mind that one. <coughs> I didn't
0: I mind that one. I think it definitely plays into the the fear of NA and AA as a cult. Mhm. And speaking from experience, they are. <laughs> right. Not quite at like this, but um and I I don't I think the writing of that one was uh, a little bit better than most of the writing so far. Mhm. But again it, it was very safe, right in terms of it's, a, it's definitely hit all the right beats. It
1: mm-hmm. wasn't anything really
2: Some, somewhat generic, I think
1: right yeah um, but also also since since we brought up body horror in the look at uh, Cthulhu Satwa, this one kept the body horror to the minimum that's true. And it was just enough that you knew what was happening, um, and so you were able to, you know, you you weren't, it wasn't like a chore to read that section, right? You know, and agreed, it, it did its job and and did it effectively. And yeah, that was that was one of my particular favorites, The Face of God Within. Um, I also liked the Matriarch of Skid Row because you know the creepy crawlies, the insects was no, actually are not something that you see a lot in these types of stories. It's mostly tentacles, right? Not creepy crawlies. And and you get a cop that totally ignores the 4th Amendment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a law enforcement officer. I, you can't hide shit from the police. <laughs> and uh, he kind of got his his justice. He got, he got exactly
0: that. what he fucking deserved.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you know we'll, we'll we'll give the writer props for that one. Um, yeah, I, I you know that one I liked. I, I kind of liked the black metal of Derek Zahn, not because not because of what it was, because you know we've done we did we did a Zahn story in um, what was the last uh, Zahn spinoff story? The we The
2: Lullaby, read? Derek.
1: Of, yeah, that was in Cthulhu Lies mm-hmm. Dreaming.
2: That was um, one of the favorites out of that one, yeah, I think.
1: That was that was one of the favorites out of that. And I you know, the the idea of music and it was kind of like the lullaby of Eric Zahn meets bleak mathematics right, right. in some in some respects, but with that black metal kind of tinge.
0: I actually I like that story. If that was probably the, the one that stood out for me the most.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: not That's not that I place. listened to a whole shitload of black metal, right? But Um, the whole, I guess, culture of black metal, even though it does revolve around Satanism as opposed to Aeonism. Mm -hmm. Like the second story points out, there's not a lot of a difference in the eyes of some. Um, I I liked the fact that I don't know why anybody hasn't done this before, hasn't put that black metal and the mythos together together. It it seems like a a very logical step. Marriage. Um, As a matter of fact, I've played Call of Cthulhu games where the keeper will play black metal for Mm ambiance. Because you know it's black metal.
1: Right. This
2: story could have been really good if only they hadn't done certain things. If only they hadn't made the the guy. Derek Zan. If they had just given him some other name.
0: Well that's an editing choice.
2: Because well, but see that that's puts the editor's you in, put you in to mind say. of something specific, a specific set of mythos. And this story is the opposite of that. Instead of playing your music to keep the door shut, they're they're doing music. the opposite.
1: Right. Well, right. you know. And
2: it's black metal and it's a it's a guy Who named Eric Zahn different. and you know what to play on words and that drives me nuts most times.
1: And but see that's that's the that's the thing, is that you could also, you know, go with the argument that classical, the music of Eric Zahn and black metal are almost in opposition. Now I'm not gonna get into the music theory of... of classical versus metal or any of that stuff. But there are those critics that would look at, you know, Eric, Eric Zahn playing something and Derek Zahn playing something and would consider Derek's being, you know, trash and evil and stuff like that. And then, you know, Eric being, you know, oh, that's brilliant.
0: Well, and also, a lot of classical music, especially music, classical music that has survived,
1: is church mm-hmm. music. Right, exactly.
0: You well, so, a lot of yeah, a lot of
1: classical art period, whether it's music or sculpture or painting or whatever, right. A good chunk of it from that period is, you know, was funded by the church.
0: Oh, yeah, you got the money,
1: right? You know, they paid for it. So you know, I mean, how many, you know, in your history of art class, how many Madonna and Childs do you remember seeing? Yeah, it's a shitload. That was like the, a third of the semester. <laughs>
2: See, when you do something like that, like dropping a mythos name directly into the title, it relies upon the reader knowing who Eric Zahn was and what it represented. Not what really. What his music represented. I, I don't but think then it does. doesn't go any further than that. It makes a vague reference of Derek Zahn going to Europe and studying some something about his ancestors and something like that. Then it doesn't even mention Eric Zahn at all or what the significance was of his music. Yeah,
0: so but you have I don't nothing think nothing to compare to really, unless
2: you already have it in your head.
0: I don't really think they had that. I think that was like a wink and a nod, but it didn't you could have called him anything and the story still would have made sense. Right. You could've called him Robbie Turner and it still would have made sense. Mm, yeah,
1: like when's the last time you saw me pick up a violin? <laughs> then it would make even more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but also also, you know, put it put the put it into a, a bit of a perspective, is that um you know, okay? So Eric Zon was trying to keep it at bay. Why would that particular aspect carry on through the generations? You know, why wouldn't somebody have gone crazy and go, you know what? Screw this, keeping it at bay. I'm gonna let it in. So I'm gonna use a song that lets it in. And I, I think I think the moment that the guitarist realizes what's going on, that's that's like the 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 peak moment of, of the horror right there is like you know when I realized that I could not stop playing if I wanted to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You know, well, that was that they're on a they're on a path that they cannot get off of. It's, and, and here's a clever thing, Kim. If you
0: are expecting Ericsson to be holding back the madness,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's your prejudice going into the story you might actually think Derek Zahn is trying to do the same thing, and then when the hammer falls and you finally realize, oh, shit, he's not, that gives you a nice little shock as a reader who's in the know.
2: I kind of think there were enough clues laid out throughout the story to not really prejudice you in that way. (laughs) Um, Here's the weird thing, though. um, You're prejudiced from the title thinking that this is going to be about erikson and his music you, you don't hear erikson mentioned anywhere in the story at all so it kind of leaves you dangling but you've got this character he's this dark evil character he you know he does he played his music in a really dark and evil and captivating way that is actually pretty well described <sighs> that's what train of thought yeah, oh, no. there, there there are clues, I mean, there there are little clues like that laid out throughout the story that let you think that maybe this is not the hero. That this guy is not somebody who's trying to keep the evil at bay. Mm-hmm. And then you see that horrible, evil black violin sitting there, and you think, oh, that's an instrument of goodness. No, well,
1: it's, no it's, it isn't. It's a, it's a regular old violin. It's the bow that's all black and evil.
2: Yeah.
1: And the blood sacrifice. Right. He's like, "Oh, don't touch that bow. That's special."
0: Yes. Yes, but I mean there's the possibility exists, especially if you're if you are in the know, so to speak, that maybe maybe you don't want to touch it cuz you don't want to ruin the arcane quality of the bow. Yeah. I mean that pop there's a, there's a, now. I'm not saying it was the most well-written story I have ever read. And I think it could have been worked uh, better. Mm.
2: I would have liked but, it better if it had been written but, a little bit better.
0: But I'm what I am saying is that I could see what the I can see if the author was trying to do that with the name, how it would be a a a nice little twist to you know a, a typical Lovecraft trope, mm-hmm. and and really. If you go through Lovecraft and a lot of the weird stories of his of his contemporaries, you don't see a lot of guys trying to bring the madness in. That's relatively new. Mm-hmm. That's a relatively new thing. And I, I just think that if you are of that old guard super old guard, and reading that, you might get a kick out of it being, you know, inverted like that. Maybe not if you're S.G. Joshi, but... Right.
1: Yeah, I I have a feeling that Joshi would probably just hate this book, and, you know, that that gives me more impetus to like it.
0: Well, I mean... You're allowed to agree with people you don't like.
2: <laughs> yes. I mean, even the clock is right twice a day, right?
1: Unless the hands have fallen off. I mean, Jesus Christ, you never... <laughs> or it's digital. Or it's digital. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah, because then it's well. Then even then it's 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 going to be right at least once because it's going to be zero 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 zero. <laughs> yeah, that's midnight. <sighs> All right, so so we're kind of split on that one. Okay, um, let's see. What about what about sleep talking? What did you guys think of that one?
0: I thought it was a cool concept, mm-hmm. but there are some. I guess mechanical issues I have with it, right? Like, uh, if we were privy to the impulses of the and the process that prompted the sleep talking in the first place, we could have had a little bit more tension, right? I think going in cold like it did, it just makes me wonder why would um, her husband sleep? What prompted her husband to be sleep summoning this possessant possessing spirit in the first place.
1: Well this is this is another one of those stories like we were talking about in, in both Cthulhu live Dreaming and Cthulhu Sapa that um, you know there weird shit happens and there is no explanation for it. It's just one of those things that happens.
0: Yeah but um, this one kind you kinda need a little bit more. You can't yeah. this isn't one where you can read through it again and pick up little and, subtle things yeah, here and there. Because I don't
1: think it's there. Well, I I think another thing that probably needs to be pointed out here is that a lot of these stories are very short. Yes. Um, I would say probably within the three thousand word range. Yeah, this one was only like three or four pages. Yeah. Um, So you know, so that's that's another thing right there is that a lot of these stories are shorter. So in the space allowed, I'm gonna get right up on the camera. the, in the space allowed, that some of the concepts weren't allowed, you know, weren't really fully allowed to uh, expand. Like, um, yeah, sleep talking. Actually, this one could have been a novella as well. Um, you know, there were bits and bobs that kind of re- reminded me of um, Mike Griffin's *Far from Streets*. It's funny, it kind of reminded me of Stephen King. Or, or Stephen King. Yeah. But yeah, that could be you know this this could be expanded to a novella length story, uh, more of a, a slow burn with the revelation coming uh, m- more slowly. Right. Um,
2: this one struck me as the the precursor to a Delta Green scenario.
1: Oh well, yeah, yeah, that could that could work too. Since since the monster is on the loose at the end.
2: Right, and you have physical evidence to. Back things up. Yeah, to
1: back up what's going on. I have to destroy an entire town
0: to cover up (laughs) the monster that's destroying an entire town.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's Delta Green, man. Call your call your contacts. (laughs) Call your contacts. Um, along the shore of Old Ridge. Uh, you know, that one was was kind of meh for me. And you know, maybe. I, I think a lot of it is, is I think Insmith stories are kind of played. Well, man, there was no menace, no real menace. It was just no. Yeah, well, the menace, the menace was the protagonist. <laughs> he, you know, yeah. he was the he was the desperate one to find you know yeah. the doorway and yeah and uncover this ritual. So we're we're looking at it from the bad guys, bad guys perspective. Um you know the 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 hero of the story was the the guy that stayed behind on the boat the guy with the tattoo yeah um you know you and he was got
2: away from the evil cult
1: yeah and he was the uh, um, you know he was he's like I'm I'll bring you there but you know I'm not getting off the boat yeah
2: I'm and I can just
1: imagine you. i can just imagine you know the scene where the boat runs aground and the and the soldier guy jumps off and he's like and the other guys like see ya Pops that sucker in reverse and gets the fuck out of there, <laughs> and now, is now the proud owner of the boat. <laughs> Goes back and lives at that guy's house.
2: This one might have done better as the beginning of a novel, I thought. Yeah, because yeah. it just wasn't a whole lot of substance there. It was a guy who was having dreams and visions, and he was trying to follow them.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, okay. and it throws yeah. in it throws in kind of the uh, he runs across this cult in Afghanistan. While he's yes. while he's in the military, and you know that that itself, is you know,
2: yeah,
1: it brings it brings in this kind of uh, almost Indiana Jones kind of adventure scenario into it. Um, but once again, the length of the story puts it into constraints where it's not able to fully blossom into what it could be. All right, so um, let's see. Sex in the single girl. Yeah. Yeah, I am gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm I I think I think all three (laughs) of us are in agreement on this story. Um you know, honestly, I think you know, you guys want to talk about ham fisted, I think the uh, the portrayal of the uh, all of the characters was kind of ham fisted. Oh my god. And it was just a bit too much on the sexism side for me.
0: Oh that and, oh, and a bit. And how about the name checking Red Hook?
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey Red Hook was great. Yeah, yeah and I, I you know, go back and, and listen to our view on uh, Ballad of Black Tom and you'll get a nice earful of our opinion of horror at Red Book. I think we wasted half the show on that. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be done. Had to Ugh. be done. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, I, I, I'm I, going to be honest. I didn't even get to finish that story. Once once I got to the point of, of you know, he's looking out the window, and Shiitake, oh, my God. I know. I know. Is, is sitting in the, the back of the church.
2: In Chicago?
1: Um, you, know, you know, moonlight and leather pants that looked like they were painted on. And, you know, even though I threatened to kill her in the first part, <laughs> it was, I is, was. If you want to go with
0: the music in, analog, analogy, this was straight up late model Van Halen. <laughs>
1: Right now! (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
0: That's my son giving the
1: finger to all of you. He's 10, ladies and gentlemen.
2: He's 10, and
1: giving the finger is like the greatest thing ever. It's like saying, suck. So, free reign, Logan. Give
0: him the finger. Hey, it's coming out of my head.
1: Alright, go back. Alright. <laughs> get your fuck out of here, kid. How <laughs> oh, you? No Alright, well, I've successfully square danced all around this one. <laughs> oh my god. And, uh, yeah, I have a feeling th- this one is going to be, this is the battle oh. royal you guys have been waiting to see. Oh. Maybe not. Probably not. We never actually get into battle royals about anything. No. We're, yeah. too, we're too polite to each other.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we we well I've stayed in Steve's house, so you know, yeah. he's, he's had the opportunity to obtain my hair for voodoo rituals. You don't have any hair. Precisely
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I have uh, bleeding from its ass. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So so the Orcuses. last one the
1: last one to talk about in this half is uh the Kings in Rebel Yellow. The Rebel King.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, are you sure? Did I write king, that down?
2: Kings in Kings and Rebel Yellow. Okay. Sure? That's what I have.
1: Okay. Well that's that's uh, Oh well okay that changes then. everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> of course. I was blind.
1: Alright, y'all y- y'all go ahead y'all go ahead and start with your view and then I'll oh I'll God. jump in, in this- a
2: second.
1: All I have to say
0: is now, Lathotep steals a couch that some dude was fucking.
2: <laughs> and it's an Eldritch couch. <laughs>
0: hmm I mean, maybe this was meant to be um, bizarro.
1: I would agree with that assessment.
0: Um, in which case I will say that I don't like that genre. <laughs>
1: um, right. Not everybody does. Bizarro, bizarro like erotica, is a, is an acquired taste. Oh, or and some people just don't don't do yeah. it. Well. I, I just.
0: Yeah, I, I thought this was the epitome of trying to be super hip. And just not quite hitting the mark for me. This was the uh, this was the the when Itchy and Scratchy brought in the the third character, who I forget whose name it is. I don't. Remember. But the one that rode the skateboard. Or. Wore... you
2: talking about? But I can't remember. Yeah. Dang
0: it. He was a dog. Anyway.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is that attempt to hit up hip up the mix. Stir up the old, get, get the hip young kids to really enjoy it. I, mean, I just didn't think it. I think it fell flat. I thought the jokes were kind of lame. I, I kind of see where he was going with it, but I just kind of thought it was all just meh.
2: This was overkill with the camp. You know, the other story with the dentist, uh, Cosmic Cavity, that one was camp in Goodway. This was camp in a in a bad way. As I made a note here that uh, the story is one long face palm and I, I stand by that. And Eldred's Couch? Really? Come on. You can do better than that. You can do better than to go around dropping every mythos name that you can possibly drop. You can do better than <laughs> everything in this story. If this had been my anthology, I wouldn't have put it in there.
0: Well, it was the editor who wrote it, so it was going in.
2: That's what I was trying not to say. <laughs> Why? Well, okay, yeah. I, I, I tried too hard to be nice, it's true. But, yeah.
1: there, there, there are some people who, who frown upon you know, editors placing their own work within their own anthology.
2: Right, because who's going to bet you? And in this case, it's definitely double true. If this had been my anthology, this would not have made it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sure Kurt Cave is a nice person. He put together what he could. He put together some good stuff, but this was not... I'm sorry.
1: Well, I guess it's my turn.
2: And I'm going to say...
1: And I'm going to say that you guys' reaction to this story is exactly the shot in the arm Weird Fiction Needs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This <laughs> 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 be poorly written.
1: Because... It <laughs> because... It stimulates the,
2: the, the conversation, or what? It,
1: well, it not only stimulates the conversation, what it does is that it, it, is, it lampoons all of it uh, you know, the guy is, is is fucking a couch. I mean, this this story what you know, I found myself laughing throughout this story. Because, you know, it's just the sick sort of humor, you know, that that I can appreciate and and I think that, that you know, weird fiction, the mythos needs some of this type of, you know, almost deconstructive uh you know, just willing to piss all over you know Innsmouth and 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 just yeah, just really just take the piss on the mythos, and that's what this story did. Um, you know, you, you can't really say that the the anybody was trying to like put themselves in the protagonist's shoes because the protagonist Seg was a fucking meathead idiot. You know, it's like Bill and Ted. You know, that's freaking that's cycle. Sort of thing. There's
2: something like ouch Right,
1: no I mean, we we start off right here. I mean, who the fuck fucks a couch? I mean, hell, the the guy whose party it is says, "Who the fuck fucks a couch?" So you know, we already we start off. I mean, this is this is like the extreme of the unreliable narrator. This guy's insane. Um, you know, the whole battle in the, the S mart, um, you know, was insanely over the top. Um. You know the only characters in this story that have any sense are the leader of the the uh, lost son, the lost children of Carcosa, and their wizard. And you notice they stay the fuck out of everything. Um, you know, and and I think the the idea, the framework of gang violence with all of these sects of. Um, Aonists and, and Cthulhu worshippers and whatnot, um,
2: you know really kind of
1: reflects on the way the Lovecraftian community operates. I mean how many how many, that is what it is I mean every little circle of writers here, writers there are like little gangs you know who you have your enemy and, and you go after your enemy with with great haste and I did get a chuckle out of the bloody noses. Um, yeah, so so I, I liked it. It was it was just weird enough, just over the top, that um, yeah that 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 I could I, I could appreciate that as being as, as, as being something different brought to the table in this anthology. Because a lot of the, like we said, a lot of this anthology uses the tropes, hits the right beats. This one. Doesn't this one just takes it all and it throws it out the window? And we're going to start the story with a guy fucking a couch.
0: Yeah, but really, what's the
1: point? I I think you, What's I the understand. What's the point of any of it? Really, is is to to Gee, be entertained? morose when you're sick like that, but. <laughs> that's me. That's me channeling my inner love in here. What's What's the point of all of it? But. Yeah, I mean tentacles
2: do not a Lovecraftian story make.
1: But there are there it are very few. Have tentacles. Couch. <laughs> but there are very few tentacles in this story. Now, um, I will
2: admit that the fact that he had couch fucking has being couch a lure was being her held her tentacles.
0: by tentacles throughout the entire story.
2: <laughs> I mean the, the the one good thing about this I think was the f- was the concept of the couch-fucking lunatic being a lure for Nyarlathotep to begin with. Mm-hmm. That that was a l- nice little nice little idea there. That I liked. That little bit I liked.
1: And and honestly, I liked the joke of, you know, he was a black guy that wasn't a black guy. He never gets that shit right.
2: Mm, I forget what that was.
1: That was when he described... That was Seg, Seg trying to describe Nyarlathotep to people. That he's okay. got black skin, but he's got white features. He can't get it right. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, you know that was that was kind of a that was a that was a joke I can appreciate because why would a cosmic entity like this, who doesn't care about humanity, why would he get his disguise right?
2: Well, except Naira Atherton was one of the few who actually interacted with humanity, so there was a little bit of actual vested interest there.
1: Says who? That's, a, that's, that's an says assumption. The
2: says the mythos. That's,
1: that's just an you assumption.
2: actually fucks with people, whereas cosmic entities like Cthulhu they don't give a shit.
1: Right, but just because people. you just because you fuck with people doesn't mean you care. You have any type of interest whatsoever.
2: Oh, if you're not interested in them, why are you fucking them?
1: It's your job, because it's I because hate it's hate. awfully boring at the right right tentacle of Azathoth.
2: So you obviously right. have some interest there.
1: Um, the interest of not being bored. It's like a kid, yeah. it's like a kid uh, shooting ants with a with a magnifying glass. He doesn't give a fuck about the ants. He's just entertaining himself.
2: He didn't say he cared about people, but so, there was obviously an interest in fucking with them.
1: Right. So why would his disguise be ac- accurate? Anyway. Because that's that's a battle that, that I'm, I'm not going to be able to win.
2: <laughs> we'll never really know, anyway.
1: Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's nine more stories left. Um, and I think the next one, the first one in the second half is was it Uncle Uncle Lovecraft?
2: Uncle Lovecraft.
1: Yeah. And uh, Kim had mentioned to me yesterday that yeah that she liked that one.
2: I actually liked that one.
1: So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, because you guys, because I'm getting this, this positive opinion, like, in the second half, I'm kind of looking forward to checking that one out.
2: Yeah, that might actually um, be the best one in the whole thing so far.
1: So, as far as recommendations go, we're not going to uh, whoa, fall whoa, whoa. into the trap that we did with uh, Cthulhu live streaming. Right. And we're going to save it for part two mm-hmm. uh, to give our recommendation star ratings and that sort of thing. Uh, so far, I would say my overall my overall opinion of the first half is there are some some interesting concepts, uh, a lot of uh, you know trope you you know decent trope usage hitting the right beats, um, but so far maybe not the, the strongest strongest Lovecraftian or mythos material. But I, I think there's you know some odds and ends that that um, that have been have made this this read through you know enjoyable for me at least. Um, you know if you guys want to add anything,
0: um, I guess I, I would say that one of the things I do like about it is the lack of of trying to sound like Lovecraft. Yeah, I'm not saying that it, there. I'm not saying that a lot of it's written well, um, and it could use some, you know, a couple going throughs to clean it up a little bit mm-hmm. um, and maybe expand some of these stories. But just um, the fact that they're not trying to be Lovecraft, I can appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I don't like about a lot of Lovecraft. Um, Pastaches, am I saying that right? Pastiches? Pastiches, is that they just really try to sound like Lovecraft. And you know what? If I want to read a zillion adjectives, I'll just read Lovecraft. So we need something new. Write like you write, not like you think people want you to write. And I think that is what these guys are doing. And even in um, the Thulu the vaunted cthulhu saga did have a little bit of pandering
1: just with the style mhm the stylistic nods yes yeah I appreciate just not going down that road yeah I think I think you're right there I think a, a lot of this is that these guys are writing in their style using the uh, the weird and lovecraftian tropes um and you know, I, I would say that not necessarily everybody is cut out for for weird fiction. I mean, hell, I'm certainly not. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's it's it's not like Lovecraft where the man didn't hasn't met an adjective he didn't like except for terse. I think is uh, thank you. It's is Steve's catchphrase there. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Uh, uh, I think you have a, a good point there, with uh, with with the style. Without you know trying trying to trying to do something weird, trying to do something on the Mythos Lovecraftian side that um, doesn't necessarily ape Lovecraft's particular um, style. style. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, Kim?
2: Guys, if you're listening. Hire me to clean up your anthology. (laughs) That's my final thought about it. This could be great. But it's not not yet. So Alright. That's my thought. All right. So
1: I guess we'll leave it there. Uh, Monday. We're
0: not, I don't think we're doing anything on Monday, because it's, hey, it's the forest. Go,
1: America. Yeah, um actually, actually, I'm thinking about uh, just putting together, like, some type of pre-generated dungeon crawl.
0: Hey, so maybe we'll do a pre-generated dungeon crawl.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, we can broadcast it if you want. If not, whatever. We'll just get the guys together and play. All right. So we might be doing something on Monday. Right. So, uh, yeah, Monday is to be determined because it is the 4th of July. Uh, Friday, Fungi will be back, and if I feel good enough to get the audio up from last night. Um, yeah, so Fungi will be back, and we'll be back next Saturday, 9.30 Eastern Daylight Time, to do the second half of Cth- Urban Temples of Cthulhu. That's, we'll talking. See That's what a this lot to have is. to say. Let's
0: call it Utak.
1: Utak. Utak. Alright, so, until then, say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight,
0: Gracie. Good night.